Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zero. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick, and cousin Jeff. Uh, visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. Listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll, we'll read your review on the air. And I think Sean still has stuff to give away. Uh, let us know you did the review, though, because we don't always see them right away. Uh, Patreon.com slash CriticsPod is the best way to support the podcast. And then our T public link over at IHateCritics.net. Sean, where can everybody read your reviews? Uh, I, you, you can find it on, uh, on my vocal profile. And also, of course, uh, find the, find all my newest reviews on Twitter at Podcast Sean, S-E-A-N. But also uh, the uh, archive vlog with 20 years and more than 2,000 reviews at uh, Sean at the movies.blogspot.com. Read those because, honestly, I can't remember most of those reviews. <laughs> and Jeff, where can people find your artwork? Um. Check out my Instagram first, uh, J-E-F-F-L-A-S-S-I-T-E-E-R. I-T-E-R, God. Don't go to JeffLassiteer.com. It's funny, hilarious. Pop cult. Go to JeffLassiteer.com. All my links are there, too. Just search me. You'll find me. Buy Jeff's new Megan sticker. Yes, that's. I got to order that one from the company that makes my stickers. But it's already on my Tee Public, which is also jefflaster.com. Nice. Along with my new Golden Girls uh, thing. If you're going to Golden Con this year. Excellent. Uh, That's not a made-up thing. It's a real thing. Oh, I believe it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, last year it was the best convention I've ever done in my entire life. That's awesome. was Golden Con 2022. Everybody was so cool. Everybody wanted to be there except for one girl. You always remember the one that doesn't, but... (laughs) Everybody was having such a good time. I just, it was so much fun. So, well, and girls, girl, uh, Golden Girls cosplay is so comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're dressed up like them, you got to be cozy. <laughs> well, I mean, depending, yeah, because you're kind of used to strapping and pushing and pinching <laughs> and just a nice, cozy sweater. Yes. Although one year for uh, Halloween, I was zombie Arthur, and <laughs> it wasn't so bad. That was awesome. That's... But anyway, all those links can also be, not all of them, but some of the links can be found in the show notes as well. We do not have Golden Con in the show notes yet. Uh, anyway, where do you guys want to start this week? I have a list, but I don't know the order to go. Should we... I mean, Megan's the big title, right? Let's do Megan then. Oh, but let's let's do let's do one other movie before. Let's talk about Otto first, because I don't think Bob saw that one. <laughs> okay. And neither did I, because um... let's talk about the well, one we don't care about. <laughs> I tried to sell it to you. Uh, I'm, it's, I'm not, in... it's not that you didn't sell it to me. It's just I was going to go on Sunday and I was sick most of the day, so. Oh. A Man Called Otto stars Tom Cruise as Otto. He is a, a very bitter, angry man because, well, uh, several months like prior me. to the start of the story, he is uh, he lost his wife and 
he wasn't always the nicest guy before that, but now he's you know t- added depression on top of being you know bitter about <laughs> about the world around him. Uh, like me. We meet actually meet him first time. He's actually purchasing the supplies to hang himself. So we're off to a quite a start uh, in this movie. Uh, he, he things kind of get upended for him by uh, getting new neighbors uh, who move in and sort of kind of move into his life a little bit by just uh, one of them particularly uh, just decides that she wants to be his best friend and uh, she's just this bright ball of energy called Mirabelle and she's just beautiful and funny and smart and or Marisol excuse me and she's just so just the the sweetest character in the world and I just fell in love with this character and this actress, she is just an absolute delight. And watching Tom Hanks try to resist being nice to her is is very funny. There's a very funny dynamic there. It is it is weird to see like the 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 actor who is you know uh, kind of his brand as being the nicest guy in the world cast as like this angry, grumpy, depressive, suicidal guy. But Hanks is so good that he makes it work. He also makes it work that it really is important that you have have, a, have an actor in this that is so likable because he is going to some very dark places. At one point, he is lined up his his he's lined a particular room with like plastic and has a shotgun and he's going to end himself that day. And that's the thing is that there's this sort of magical quality to the movie where things just sort of happen that uh interrupt him and keep him from being able to end his life. And it is if, and I know I'm only, I'm really just the one who's seen this. Everybody else seems to think this is just straightforward. I think the intention here is to be a bit magical because it's all such a coincidence that these things would happen and continuously interrupt him. But I, I really did buy into this sort of, this idea that there's something more to this movie uh, in terms of life just intervening to keep this guy alive. It reminded me of, uh, of course, because Tom Hanks often reminds people of Jimmy Stewart, and it reminded me of It's a Wonderful Life in the way that, that like, life intervenes to show Jimmy Stewart why he needs to still be here. And that's kind of the same idea here, is that life keeps intervening to tell Otto there's still things for you to do. There's still people who, who are going to care about you and whose lives will be enriched by you being there. And that's sort of the arc that he's taking in here. And I bought in. I did. I know a lot of people haven't. I know a lot of people hate this movie for some reason. I don't know. I think Mark Forster is one of the best directors working. I think he is the easily the most underrated director working. Uh, yeah, he's, he directed Stay. Uh, he directed uh, Will Ferrell in, uh, oh gosh, Will Ferrell, Emma Thompson, Stranger Than Fiction. Uh, like he's just directed incredible movies. And then, he, of course, anytime he's tried to go big, like uh, you know, directing a Bond movie or directing you know, some other kind of like World War Z, the studio fucks with him and fucks him over completely every single time. And he ends up making kind of a, a really good idea of a movie that doesn't quite succeed because he's just a genius. And I think that he, his genius applied to this very unusual story just works for me. That's cool. <laughs> You know, I cried multiple times. This is a very emotional movie. I I cried for different reasons, but I'm just kidding. I'm so you didn't see the movie. No, I know. I'm sorry. You cry when you hear that traveling Wilbury song because you're like, you just why would it go away? Wow, <laughs> from the trailer. Because that trailer did get overplayed. Yeah. 
And that song is desperately overused. I've never seen the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I live under a rock. Okay, anything else on A Man Called Otto? I really liked it. I don't know how how it did at the box office over the weekend. I didn't check, but uh, I, I doubt it did well. I think a lot of people were dunking on this movie for no good reason. And I think a lot of people made up their minds about it before they saw it, saying that it was bad and saying that it came out in January and that they missed their window to show it to the Academy and... Like, oh, that's a bad sign. I'm like, what? Uh, you know what? That really quick before we talk about Megan, let's have that conversation about movies that come out in January. Mm-hmm. Because I I was on Twitter and one of the people that I follow is a as a writer and uh, kind of Facebook friends with another uh, critic who he likes to trash stuff before he sees it sometimes. Um, based on when it was released. And he was trashing Megan up and down because of when it was released. And Richard Newby, who um, I was, I was, that's how I discovered this conversation was that he was saying, look, there's so many movies backed up and the release schedule has been juggled so much over the last year and a half that releasing something in January is not a, it's not a question of, how think how they think it's going to do or the quality of the film at all it's especially with horror movies because so many horror movies get released this time of year that it's really not a question anymore of whether it's a good movie or a bad movie which brings us to megan <laughs> i think i think the it in t- i'm having having a lot of experience with january movies over the past you know 20 uh, 23 years uh, of doing this, the the reputation of January as the place to bury movies is absolutely real. It, it has changed recently. I'm not denying that, but it is definitely a real thing. Like I can recall like when Cedric the Entertainer, codenamed The Cleaner, was the first movie of the year, or like the that awful Devils uh, movie, the the one uh, the one that didn't have an ending was the first movie of the year, you know, where it sent you to the website to find the end of the movie. Like that was the first movie of a year. Like they're burying a lot of movies in January and they have, and that's changed only because of like the COVID thing and, and streaming has changed that. But I, I would still say that January is where movie, movies go to die, which we're going to see next week with Nicholas Cage, just having his movie completely buried in January. Well, um, I mean, he, he makes 13 to 14 movies a year, so they got to put them somewhere. <laughs> true. True, but uh, yes, uh, Megan is a a new uh, uh, sci-fi sort of horror film uh, starring Alice Williams from Girls and uh, uh, Get Out. Uh, She plays an inventor who has invented a number of toys and she's been working on developing robotic technology and to the point where you can have a robot that will interact with you and think on its own. And and so not an unusual idea for, for a robot movie. We've seen that often in many robot movies where they want to teach the robot to be self-sufficient. She ends up taking in her uh, young niece after the parents are killed on on vacation and she has a hard time bonding with her. Uh, She ends up creating the Megan robot to kind of take her place as caring for someone to care for the kid. Uh, And the kid ends up bonding with the robot. And the robot having the instructions to protect the child at all costs that of course goes exactly where you think it's going to go where she starts to murder things dogs people 
that seem to be a threat to the child until it arrives at a third act that is, I thought, relatively rote and predictable. I wanted to love this movie. I wanted to like this movie. I don't hate this movie. I just don't think it's as camptastic as as it should be. Like, I was kind of hoping for something more iconic out of the character. And I think the design is spectacular. I think the performance of the, the physical performance of the young actress and the voice performance even is very good. But overall, I feel like I've seen all of this before. I feel like I've seen all of the robot tropes, especially the third act. The third act fight, I'm sorry, but I've seen that in every robot movie. There's nothing new for me in that ending. Sorry. <laughs> what did you think of it, Jeff? <laughs> uh, well, Sean's wrong. No, I'm just um, <laughs> Megan knows exactly what it is and what it wants to be and it rolls with it in a way that this is what the 2019 child's play wanted to be and thought it was and should have been um i when you know when sean says that it's not camptastic or whatever oh my god sean you're so straight you don't get it <laughs> um <laughs> i say this with love Mm-hmm. Megan is like a new gay icon and <laughs> I don't know if it's the the dance uh you know the flash mobs and stuff with all the different dancers dressed up as Megan or what but oh my god this movie was so much fun I knew what it was going into it I just I I was just from the opening commercial for the other toy that you got I I'm not even going to describe it you just got to see it to believe it it's so funny um to the you know to the end which was predictable and this is a this is it's like a cross between child's play and annabelle and the terminator and all the best little camp parts um allison williams is just she's not she's the star but megan is the star you know it's like holy shit this doll and when the that dance just I was just so pent up waiting for me to come out. And then I watched it and I was like, I want to go see this again. And I actually ran into Sean coming out of the theater. I was like, I kind of want to just go turn around and go right back. But I can't, but I would have. More so than I I thought, okay, well, I should go see A Man Called Auto this weekend. And then all I could think about yesterday was like, okay, if I can get up, out of bed and go see a movie. God, I don't want to see that. I want to see Megan again. (laughs) It's so much fun. It was just, it just like it, there is a, it's hilarious to begin with. You know, what's coming. You kind of, you know, Oh no, she lost her parents. Oh my God. And then it's, Oh, what are the, you know, what are they going to, they unveil her and you're just like, okay, you're waiting. And there's a little bit of a dull spot right in the middle. They could have, punch that up or whatever but once she starts going as <laughs> megan uh, she literally rips a kid's ears off and one of them because it, <laughs> well one of i thought it yet <laughs> i thought like i could tell when i could cu- tell that they cut this down a little bit for pg-13 and that's another conversation about horror but i i could tell they kind of cut it down a little bit and every time there was a kill it could have been much gorier and i think there probably will be a director's cut or something when they release it on home video but um i just 
it's like, oh my god, is she gonna? She's gonna. Oh my god, she's gonna rip that kid's ear off. And then, you know, all the stuff that she does that. The, the, what the dance leads up to, you're not, you're kind of not expecting it to go the way it goes. Um, they do try to like change it up a little bit as, you know, oh my God, she's going to rampage through this presentation, but she doesn't. Although I think if it was a rated R movie, she probably could have taken out a few of the kids that were there to see her. <clears throat> um, but the fact that, you know, she's interfacing with all the electronics around her, that was fun. The, you know, how she does it and how she's just kind of like that, that like mid-level bitch to Allison Williams up until the end where, you know, oh, well, uh, you know, studies show that kids who eat their vegetables, who aren't, don't have to eat their vegetables as a child will eat them as an adult and that kind of stuff. And then like towards the end, she's like, okay, I'm going to single white female the shit out of you. And then she does. If you haven't seen it, Bob, please I just have seen go it. see it. It's I have seen it. Oh, you did? Yes. And you I, actually saw it? I actually saw it. Uh, my wife and I went to it, and uh, I kind of agree with you. I think it it knows what it is 100%. It knows that it's not, that it's just like an AI Chucky is really all it is. And the whole time, they don't care that you know what's going on. They don't care if you can predict it or not. They just make it fun the whole way through. Uh, I mean, like I'm really impressed with Allison Williams because she's not particularly good, but in in the right way for this movie. Like she's almost a TV, you know, after school yeah. special level bad. But that's what this movie needed to make it fun. Uh, and that that's a cool move to make when you're she hasn't really done anything since get out so <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> uh, but uh I, I don't know i i i mean i don't probably love it like you i'm probably not gonna go see it a million times or ever again maybe once or twice but i i that was shocked at how much fun it was i was expecting it to be i'd kind of written it off and was ready to be like, all right, here's another dumb horror movie. I got to go see with you, <laughs> my wife. <laughs> we like different types of horror movies. Uh, yeah. She likes the ghost stuff and the straight ahead stuff. I like the over the top camp or the the artsy stuff. So we don't get along at all when it comes to that stuff. But this one actually kind of won me over and was, I thought it was pretty fun. Again, not. I don't know how memorable it is, although it sounds like people are talking about it, and that's really what makes movie memorable is when pop culture kind of embraces it and it seems like it is being embraced. That's the part that I'm struggling with. I think I think the makers of the movie made one movie and the audience is making another movie. And I, I think everybody wants Megan to be what they'd like it to be and they see what they want to see in it. And I think what I see is just every other robot horror movie. Uh, I mean, I've seen, I've seen robots get get their heads ripped off and be torn in half and all that stuff that happens at the end. I feel like that's the end of every robot horror movie. <laughs> I feel like that last well, fight scene is pretty much every other robot horror movie. That's uh, what I'm saying, though. It, it it knows what it is and it doesn't pretend to be anything different. It's not trying to be, you know, hereditary. Mm-hmm. I have a hereditary robot. It's just trying to be fun and. I, I think 
where I think you're wrong about the filmmakers is the marketing campaign. I don't. I think I don't the marketing think team and the wa- filmmakers are different. <laughs> I think the marketers no, made one thing, and you know, like the movie no, is no, just I trying to be straightforward. I think that if it had just been your typical robot horror movie, they wouldn't have done all the marketing for it. They knew they had something that was a lot of fun and was kind of campy and not, you know, not super serious. Otherwise they, they would have just dumped it without the marketing that they did. But I think, I think that, the marketing know, tried to save what was just a, a robot horror movie. <laughs> See, I think it's more child's play than robot horror movie. Anyway, not that child's play is greater or anything, but I, I think it <laughs> it's more in that vein than it is a robot horror movie. I don't know. I don't like child's play. So I, mean... well, I don't, I mean, I, <laughs> well, I think this is a better version than that, but there's I, fun here and it's, and it's better made. Like I said, I think the, I think the, the sound design is spectacular. Like the sound, they create more suspense with the sound of Megan moving than they actually do with anything she actually does. Like that stuff is really good. And the, the design of the doll, I think is spectacular. Or the, the young woman who was uh, in that costume is spectacular. Her physicality is incredible. And you, you buy in that she's really a doll. That stuff is terrific. I'm just, I just didn't, the plot didn't buy. I didn't buy in on the plot because I feel like that's, like you said, like a very rote plot for a, a robot horror movie. That, and especially the final act, the final fight is just everything I've seen before. I wanted more fun. I wanted them to do something like the power washing scene. The power washing scene is terrific. Like when she power she power washes the woman's face. I that was a great idea, and that was there's something that could have been done more like that that could have made it a little bit more interesting like at least make the kills like a little bit more interesting uh but like i said that final act that final fight it 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 drags and it's just exactly what i expected would happen out of a typical i think what what you're talking about i mean some of your criticism is the fact that it's a pg-13 horror movie that was probably an r um you know as far as the kills go i i like I said, every time that she killed somebody, I expected it to be more. But then I realized I remembered that it was a PG thirteen movie, mm-hmm. and they obviously cut a lot of the kills. Oh, it was it was a mercenary effort to make as much money as possible. And you know what? Good for them because it's like I mean, it's almost tripled what they what it cost them mm-hmm. over the weekend. And I think they and they will a... definitely make sequels. Oh yeah, and I think the being a you know, kind of a popcorn blockbuster horror movie. I think it works for that. I mean, every action movie, every horror movie that's a popcorn movie, you've seen before. You've seen the, there might be a little thing here and there that's different. And like, there was little things here, like the pressure wash scene. There there was enough there. But I, I think to Sean's point, the sound design, because that was so good, adding into the kind of the silly funness that, the rest of the movie was i don't know mm-hmm. i i don't have a whole lot to complain about it i, I, I don't hate it I, I don't hate it i just wish it were more fun i thought it, i didn't think it was fun enough for my taste i think i i, I like that it thought that it, it it knew what it was it wasn't trying to be something elevated or anything it wasn't like white noise which i mean the um <laughs> it but it, it it delivered what it said it was going to deliver and that's what that's one of the things I loved about it going into it. I was like, all right, I love the, the aesthetic of it, but I don't know how much I'm going to love, love it. 
And it turns out I loved it way more than I thought. And that seems to be the consensus from a lot of people that I talk to about it. So I can't wait to see her again in the next, in Megan too. And there's going to be and, one. That's for sure. Oh yeah. There can't not be. Yeah. I'm curious where they go with it. <laughs> They're going to do exactly this same thing they did this time. I'm good. That's the prediction. And I'm here for They're it. They're finally going to make the movie they want to make, and it's going to be extra camp in the second one. It's going to be Terrifier 2. <laughs> now that I would like. <laughs> Give me Megan with the Terrifier 2 level of craziness. Yes, I would go totally for that. I do wonder if they'll release this, uh, you know, when it comes time to video, as an unrated or an R movie with the kills you know, edited back in. Uh, Candyland. Candyland is a uh, new horror film about uh, sex workers at a truck stop who uh, you know live, live together and work together, and uh, they end up coming across this cult, uh, at least one cult member who leaves her cult to try and, oh well, to try her hand at the real world. Or is she trying to save them? And that's where the kind of the plot kicks in because she just goes there essentially trying to look for a place to stay. And then they try they kind of invite her in and sort of teach her how to be a sex worker at a truck stop. But she, secretly, she's carrying around this knife that is a <laughs> that is uh, that she uses to, well, purify others and herself. And I. Uh, this is a pretty fun movie, like a pretty gory, disgusting, gross movie, but with an interesting idea in it. It's got really unique characters and a unique setting. I, I liked the gory elements of it. I enjoyed these characters, and the the main villain is very compelling. She's a, a character who has a, a very strong arc. She's got a very strong perspective, uh, and, and it reaches an ending that I was not expecting. Like this one is definitely full of surprises. Nobody who you think is going to survive is going to survive uh, the way you think they're going to survive. It's really good uh, in that way. And it builds up some suspense in that way. And I really enjoyed, I just enjoyed a lot of this movie. And uh, I don't think it's a great movie by any extent, but for trashy, like B movie horror uh, with a good level of gore, I bought into this one and I, I had a good time. Did you get to see this one, Jeff? Oh yeah, I did. And I, okay. Bear like go with me on this one. Mm -hmm. The killer in this one is like Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, completely does a whole, you know, like public facade to the people who want to see what they want to see in her does something completely different than what she presents. And then when she's ready to go, she takes herself out rather than be taken out by the, anybody that should have been able to take her out. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, I, I, I saw it and I, I, I was with it. I was with it. I was with it. I immediately when she had this huge, huge cross that she was kind of hiding at one point, mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, that's a knife. And then I remembered the poster for it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, that's a knife. She's the one who's going around killing all these people, and it has something to do with her cult. And 
I was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I because I saw the marketing materials, so I didn't think they were necessarily uh, trying to hide that. But yeah, uh, that's it. Certainly, is it, it does it doesn't. Uh, it's not a secret. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. What I liked about it was the gore and all the you know the the tropes and stuff and kind of the whodunit mm-hmm. until you find out who's doing it and then. That is one of the things that I like about my horror movies is you want the killer to get what's coming to them by the hero Uh or the heroine or, you know, the protagonist in the movie. And because there were so many different kind of viewpoints throughout, there wasn't really a solid uh, protagonist. Um, The one girl who is, you know, at the end, she's going to take off and she's going to go away. Uh Okay, cool. Um, but then I, I like I bought in on her as like audience. the final girl, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I wanted her to be the she was technically the final girl, but there wasn't the. You never got the satisfaction of her being able mm-hmm. to be the one to take out the killer, right? And I, that's what I really, and I know okay, they're subverting expectations maybe, or they're trying to, but little, I really a little heavy on the push on that, yeah. Yeah, it just wasn't satisfying. Mm-hmm. To me, you know, she should have been the one to to kill the killer whose name I I don't even re- I know it's uh, Riva Rayla or something like that, but yeah, I I did I did like that. Uh, there's a this kind of a shock ending, and I did I thought I I kind of liked the way that played out. Uh, I it was definitely I found that to be on an unexpected way for this to play out. So I I did yeah. appreciate that and. I, I appreciate just how trashy it is. It's unapologetically trashy. Oh, it's very trashy. It's very trashy. I did not get to see this one. Is it streaming now or is it in theaters? It is. Uh, yeah, I have to rent it. The podcast owes me $7. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you can just pay me in cash. Whatever. All right. Uh... <laughs> Put on my tab. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I saw what it wanted to be, but it wasn't what it was. Unlike Megan, it wasn't what it wanted to be. I think it wanted to be a whodunit, and then it's like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, it's no fun. Let's be just gory and churchy, and it's like make Laura Ingalls Wilder the killer. <laughs> and then there's White Noise. White Noise is based on the novel of the same name by Don DeLillo and de- uh, directed by Noah Baumbach with Adam Driver and uh, Greta Gerwig, Don Cheadle. Uh, and trying to describe this, what the story of this is is kind of a challenge because I'm not sure exactly what the story really is. You've got a college professor played by Adam Driver who is a specialist in the Holocaust and Nazis and Hitler. Like He knows everything there is to know about Hitler. Uh, he's a very popular teacher known for his uh, electric uh, presentations. Uh, there's a giant storm uh like a like a something happens where there's a giant accident leads to this cloud of nuclear material or something and then we're in a like i don't know what the fuck happened honestly (laughs) i saw this movie like a month and a half ago i'm trying to remember it now and it just there was a lot of incident uh that said it's it's I don't like this movie. I think it's I think it's a mishmash of a of a million different things. I don't think it accomplishes any one thing. 
I, the only good thing I could say is that there's a scene between Adam Driver and Don Cheadle where they're talking about Elvis and Hitler, Hitler. and trading each other off, going back and forth, uh, telling telling the story of Elvis and Hitler. And that scene is dynamic. It's incredibly well directed. This the staging of it is brilliant. Adam Driver is absolutely killing it in that scene. And I wanted to watch that for an entire movie, <laughs> just that back and forth, that staging, because uh, that was kind of awesome. The rest of the movie is just, I just don't know what they're going for. I know it's like in the, it was a, it's set in the 80s or it was, the the book is certainly very 80s. Uh, and, and they're trying to make a point about consumerism and I don't think it lands, it, no, certainly doesn't no, land no. in the movie. Yeah, I didn't read the book. I it took me since last since Wednesday of last week to watch this movie, and I didn't even get to the last ten minutes of it. I just couldn't. I literally could not bring myself because I kept having to rewind it and say, "What did I miss? What did I miss?" And maybe it's ADHD or what, but I just could not follow. I thought when they you know so he's giving a he's giving a speech and they're cross cutting with the trade derailment that causes this mm -hmm. big toxic toxic event is what they keep calling it. And I was like, and then, you know, they, they show the cloud and the lightning emanating inside of this toxic cloud and everybody's trying to get out of town. And I thought, Oh, Oh. And then he's like, I was outside for two and a half minutes. I'm probably going to die. And that would have been a really interesting movie to watch him devolve or watch the family unit devolve into this cloud or toxic event as they called it it just they it kind of like the first act was all about that the build-up and then okay this we're gonna drop this storyline and go into something else and then it's mm -hmm. just a really boring trying to be like augustin burroughs running with scissors kind of quirky comedy that you know oh oh, oh god i forgot i was no bomb i gotta do this thing that i always do and you know Greta Gerwig is just it it kind of they were in different movies for sure mm -hmm. she was in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie and he was in a I Wes Anderson I movie no <laughs> uh, yeah 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 and it was just like everybody was kind of a little twee and you know kind of Zoe Deschanel about everything and that's I just all the you know the kids and they're like oh well you got to do this and oh my god mom is being ignored and she's on drugs now and god do something that was interesting <laughs> i really thought if they'd gone with that toxic cloud and how it affects the whole family in different ways and they kind of mutate or something that's that would have been great this just was a big nothing of a movie yeah it was a bunch of pretentious nothing that's a good yes <laughs> I agree. It was I was enjoying it for a while, but I had other things that I was doing while I was watching it. And as soon as it started, when it's literally switched stories halfway through, it was easy for it to just kind of fall into the background. I don't know really what happened, but I was definitely bored. Uh, yeah. That uh, the second act uh, where they're you know they're on the run from the airborne toxic event and they're staying at that camp and like the you know the. <laughs> That whole scene just when we get Noah Baumbach is not a guy who does chase scenes very well, and there's a chase scene in there, like a car, like a big car 
chase thing going on and it's like this is not your medium sir like it's just not what yeah. you do well uh it is a very noah bombach style of like you know comedy car chase i guess it feels like something that that definitely he directed but it's still it's not something that he does very well he does it's just not him uh and i like that he's trying to do something different he's definitely trying to do something different here he throws in a musical at the end for some reason like he's definitely trying a lot of different things but he's just not settled on anything that actually means anything and it's just it's all very it's all a very powerful like aesthetic but in terms of just a movie that actually has something to say, I don't think this movie has anything to say. When I, when he when he ended up in the shootout, <laughs> which we haven't brought that up yet, <laughs> when he ends up in the shootout with the guy in the hotel, I'm like, oh, is he trying to do like a Coen Brothers thing? Yeah, and there's kind of like, that element, yeah. And then I was like, oh, he's trying, but he's not doing it very well. No. He's just like, you know what I want to do? I want to do a Coen Brothers movie, but I also kind of want to do this apocalypse movie and let's just do them all at once so we can get it out of the way and then go back to being myself. <laughs> so. This movie cost over a hundred million dollars to make. What? what? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, was part of that where they like, okay, we're going to get probably a hundred thousand people to watch this movie. So let's give them all 20 bucks. Cause <laughs> it was not on the screen. I, uh, I, yeah, I don't know why this movie had to cost a hundred million dollars, but yeah, it was, it's a, it was a big deal. And it's a, I would say Netflix, uh, it kind of lit some money on fire with this one. I'm not sure exactly what they thought they were going to get for a hundred million dollars from this story. Like, uh, yeah, it's one thing to want to be in good with Noah Baumbach, you know, because in the future he's going to make another, you know, marriage story or something like that. That's going to be an Oscar favorite. And but yeah, giving him a hundred billion dollars and asking him to direct like a, you know, a, a blockbuster like is kind of a weird choice. <laughs> this is not. I don't think this is a blockbuster idea. I think the. I think he found a book that he really liked that everybody says is unfilmable, and he's like, well, let me try it. <laughs> And here, okay, here's a hundred million dollars. Try it. Like, not a great idea. Yeah, that was stupid. Bob, as an accountant, does as an accountant, does that hurt your heart to hear that? <laughs> no, I mean it's frustrating because it seems so obvious that it's a bad idea. But again, you know, I I know after seeing the movie that it's a bad idea. You know, maybe when you're talking <laughs> about it, maybe it's not. I mean, you, you know, Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig, two people I love, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, so maybe I would have thought it was a good idea, but I... I, I mean, there there are things that do work about this movie. There are. Like the, that scene with Don Cheadle and Adam Driver is really great. Like, there's, there's, there's just things about it that are so incredibly well-directed and well thought and well thought of that when he gets to the other stuff that isn't like the, anything to do with that grocery store or anything to do with consumerism, like doesn't work. Some of the existential dread, like when they're having, like when Adam driver and Greta Gerwig are having a conversation in bed about who would die if the other was, who dies first and how the other person would react. I thought that was a pretty good interaction. Uh, Don Cheadle is certainly doing something that's very interesting in the movie. <laughs> But in a completely different movie too. Right, they were all in different movies. I mean, what is? I mean, it's a movie about consumerism that cost a hundred million dollars. It's like fuck you. 
<laughs> yeah, now I like it less. <laughs> Good. I'm glad I could convince you that it was that terrible, Bob. Uh, it was the budget that did it. But uh, speaking of terrible, our undisputed classic is Giant. Giant. Uh, directed by George Stevens and starring. Wake up. Uh, James Dean, Elizabeth huh. Taylor, and Rock Hudson in the story of Texas. Uh, Texas sometime in the early half of the 20th century when uh, like cattlemen are coming up against oil men, old money versus new money, lots of very white people oppressing brown people. Uh, like, why, why does anybody care about this story? Like, I'm truly honestly asking, like, I don't think this is badly made. I think George Stevens is a great director in terms of his scope and scale. He knows how to point a camera. He's got good cinematography, good production design. But like these characters, I, I'm sorry. I just don't care about the problems of super rich, boring white people. Like this is some seriously white people shit. Um, and I say that as a boring white guy. Like <laughs> if I'm bored by your boring white guy stuff, you've clearly done something wrong. Uh this rock hudson and i know i know where this comes from in a way but he's a good actor he sparks with doris day very very well he and elizabeth taylor have the have the romantic chemistry of like cousins like like really close <laughs> really close cousins who won't cross that boundary between each other you know what i mean like, well i mean there is kind of a reason but... <laughs> yes there is but again, he's a good actor, though. I've seen him be good with women on screen, but he has that just him and Elizabeth Taylor is just a no. There's nothing there. Uh, meanwhile, James Dean, what the what the hell are they doing? With your, this is not how you use your James Dean. Pl have him play like a uh, like a weirdo who's just like an antisocial weirdo is just kind of an odd choice because I don't know. This is. I hated him. I know I'm supposed to hate him, but like I didn't hate him for the reasons the movie wanted me to hate him. I hated him because he was just kind of weird looking. <laughs> he just is such well, a jerk for no good reason. And they and then he has a tea party with Elizabeth Taylor for some reason. Like he's like so like his villainy is underrepresented and overrepresented in weird ways. I I don't understand. Okay, so I think that we have to look at this movie in the time that it was made. We see, we've seen hundreds of movies since this came out of bored, rich white people. And I think that I, I tried what I really did. I, I shut it off after a half hour. I'm like, I cannot subject myself to what seemed like 16 hours of this movie. <laughs> that I haven't, I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid and I was trying to go back and start watching a lot of the classics and whatever. And I just, I feel like if knowing what we know now about Rock Hudson and James Dean and Elizabeth Taylor, that kind of colors for me what the movie was. And she played that part, you know, she's like, she, like, the movie Elephant Walk, which haunted me as a child, scenes of rampaging elephants. You know, she's always the one who is kind of a little bit of the aloof socialite and 
she's always got something going on way down under the surface, but it never quite came up mm-hmm. in all in all of her movies in the fifties and sixties that I just like I, I just was kind of tired of her playing the same thing over and over. So I kind of checked out of her and then watching James Dean and I, I don't think if he had lived that this would have been a quote unquote classic. But I mm-hmm. think the fact that he died absolutely that really really colored it for people and they're like oh my god he had such promise look at him in giant and i'm like yeah okay i'll look at him in giant but i would rather watch J- uh james franco play him in the um tv movie again than watch this movie again uh, what'd you think i thought it didn't hold up well at all i don't think it i mean it's like a movie that my grandparents would watch and not even my parents. Uh, I don't know. I just, I really was kind of let down a lot of times when we go back and discover these old classic movies, it's shockingly good. And here it's, it's kind of the opposite. I, I just, I don't know. It's one of those that uh, if it, it bugs me that people would say this is good, I guess I'm more annoyed at that <laughs> than I am. The fact that it bored me to death, uh, I just I did not like it at all, and wanted it to end. It, and it takes it takes forever to end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the final act especially takes forever, and it's it's James Dean too doing some of the, like the the worst drunk acting I've seen in a movie in a long time. Like that is just such a oh god, it's just it's like sometimes he's so broad. And then sometimes he's so inside himself that it just you pick a lane, man. Pick a performance. Pick what you're doing here. Like and this this makeup that they use, like just putting just putting gray dust in people's hair doesn't make them look old, you know? Rock Hudson doesn't really age in this movie. They just put stupid gray coloring in his hair. Elizabeth Taylor, they did a great job with. Like she not that she looks like super old, but she looks like a great looking old lady. Like that like that that worked for me, but like nothing else did. Um, yeah, I don't care about the problems of, of rich white people in Texas in the 1940s, I guess is a problem that the movie can't quite overcome. I do like the idea in terms of like, they're trying to, like in a time when you're not allowed to do it, they're trying to deconstruct the, the very, this very, very rich white man, uh, Ruck Hudson's character and, and Deacon take him from a place where he's a, a racist, sexist, misogynist guy and take him to a place where he's kind of the woke grandpa by the end. And that's an arc. And certainly it's an arc that's kind of ahead of its time, but it's so boring getting to that point that it's hard for me to give them credit for, you know, being kind of ahead of its time in that way. Yeah, I mean, it just made me think bad things, so I don't, you <laughs> can't really, <laughs> like, the thought of, like, you know, the thought that this popped in my head, I guess, is, you know, if James Dean hadn't died, he'd never have been <laughs> as popular as he is now, because uh, this is so bad. Uh, and that's probably not true, but that was just the... Uh, that's just how much I hated this movie is like thoughts like that were popping in my head. Yeah. I just, I, I don't think that this would have been a 
this would not have been a classic if he had done, you know, even five more movies. And I think that now that, you know, like that was the big kind of the beginning of the method actor era. Mm -hmm. And he was so method that everybody was like, wow, what's he doing? I've never seen this before. You know, he's not talking like this. And hey, hey, Liz, let's go have a tea party. You know, it wasn't that kind of thing. It was, I'm going to have a a tea party. You know, that just that kind of like the early method acting that was so belabored. And that's so so funny that you say that because it made me think that if if he had lived and like lived a few more years and made a few more movies people would look back on him like we look at jared leto yeah probably yes 1950s jared leto oh oh, ouch (laughs) okay you know what he was he was in rebel without a cause and that that was the perfect part for him at the perfect time Mm -hmm. that movie is a classic for a you know, a few different reasons. And Rebel but... Without a Cause is like the Requiem of its Requiem for a Dream of its time. <laughs> if only he had a cult only he had... a rock band. <laughs> he would have. And he... only it would have been him and Salminio doing ass to ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's the element that nobody's talking about. Let's let's open that door, shall we? Because like there is more romantic chemistry between James Dean and Rock Hudson than there is between Rock Hudson and Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a this is one time that Elizabeth Taylor wasn't fucking the leads off screen. <laughs> the leads were fucking each other. You know, it's like, come on. Yeah, there's definitely I, a lot more heat and a lot more excitement anytime the two of them are on screen. Not to say that like it's intentional romantic chemistry, but like. You can definitely see why they hate each other and that maybe yeah. why they hate each other is because they're not allowed to love each other. <laughs> like maybe I, maybe that's an undercurrent that's in there somewhere. I, I, I see that with a lot of fifties movies where there was this sexuality under the radar a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that years later you find out that the male leads were gay <laughs> Um, like Rebel Without a Cause, Plato definitely had the chemistry with him, you know. (laughs) I mean, so yeah, watching those two go at it would have been probably more interesting and I would have been like, are they or aren't they? And I would have stuck with it. I think everybody would have. I mean, they were just, it's a more interesting story than what we got. (laughs) That's true. Very, very true. Um, yeah, I just I, I wanted to like this movie so much because it's a presentation this weekend of the Film Foundation, which is a, a group that I love who you know does film restoration. And then every month they do a free uh, presentation of a classic movie that's recently been uh, restored. And you know, they just do such wonderful work. Like last last month they did uh, Mae West, uh, I'm No Angel, which is an incredible movie that I'm so happy I got to see. Uh, that uh, that's gonna live with me for the rest of my life. That film and uh, yeah, they gave they give me uh, you know John Huston's Moulin Rouge is another one, and La Strada. like they do such amazing things. I'm just really I wanted so badly to be like one of the one of the cool kids. I think that all the critics who say that they love this movie that it's brilliant. And I kept in my review I was actually like trying to find something, but like then I kept telling myself, no, you actually watched the movie. It's not <laughs> it's not that good. 
Well, yeah, you've been talking about the film restoration stuff, and this is the first one you bring to us to watch as a classic. <laughs> you could give us one of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I, I really wanted this to be good, and I was just to the point where I was mad, like I was saying that. I think Elizabeth Taylor can be amazing. I think I think Cat on a Hot Tin Roof is an incredible film and an incredible performance. It's such a it's such a like a bitter, nasty, cruel movie. And I, I, I love that. And I love her performance in that. So it's not it's nothing I I don't I just don't think this material gives her much of anything to do. Like she has a couple scenes where she's trying to stand up for herself and like say, Hey, uh, you know, just because you guys are talking business doesn't mean I can't talk business too, just because I'm a woman. Like she's trying to do that, but the movie's not about that. Like it is about, it's about this crucial moment in history where things are beginning to, to shift and where women are putting themselves into those positions and trying to change things. And, you know, she's crossing racial boundaries that, she's been told not to cross like she's trying like the movie is trying all those things and it's and and certainly that is reflective of american history where it, it it is very difficult to try and you know we're dragging a lot of people trying to get them to a place where they're accepting others uh like we're still doing that today and so there's a there's a timeliness to this movie in that way but it doesn't express it well enough it just lingers too long on shit that you just can't care about like anything to do with their kids i don't care I don't yeah. care anything of those kids are doing. I don't this the silliness of the of Rock Hudson's character demanding that Dennis Hopper is going to be not a doctor. You're going to run the the ranch like I told you to. Like that's sip. And again, the movie is about trying to deconstruct him and get him to a place where he's not as rigid like that. But it's so boring getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Even you describing it brought me back to how bored I was during the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Not blaming you, the, just the experiences. Uh, I just want to get away from it. <laughs> anything else on Giant? Hopefully, no. No, no, I've got nothing else. All right. And then, um, go ahead. We do want to talk uh, briefly about 1993, because there is a there is a big announcement to be made. <clears throat> yep. Uh, 1993, the movie Leprechaun came out, and uh, <laughs> I'm uh, <the> Leprechaun. <laughs> we are announcing tonight that we're launching kind of a. I'm launching a bonus podcast to go with it to kind of complement this show. And it's going to be co-hosted by one of our former co or one of our uh, guest guests hosts. on the show, Amy K, along with uh, MJ. Uh, and we're going to be doing weekly just one of these 1993 movies, and. Uh, the rest of the 93 movies will be on this show, but we'll talk about, like, we're going to do a full hour. On, we did a full hour on Leprechaun that's going to go up at some point, and uh, that's going to be a thing, like uh, just a little bonus add-on to the show. Yeah, I've never seen Leprechaun. You've never seen Leprechaun? Oh, Jeff, you've seen Leprechaun, though. Uh, I bought, <laughs> for $15, I bought all of them. You bought all the Leprechaun right. movies? How many are there? There's like six of them, I think. <laughs> well, six this... of them that are... Six or seven that are included in this Blu-ray, um, and it's hold on, it's right here. I can tell you, uh, it's just bonkers how much. There, how, there's how, so many Leprechaun movies, yeah, and, <laughs> and it all comes down to Work Davis. Like Work Davis is just having so much fun. This movie is so ridiculous and so, like bad in so many ways, but like you 
he is having so much fun doing all this Looney Tunes nonsense that he does with the uh, with the leprechaun. So, the leprechaun is a uh, he's a leprechaun. He's got a pot of gold. An old guy steals it. An Irishman named O'Grady who lives in North Dakota for some reason steals his gold, takes it back to North Dakota with him. Uh, the leprechaun follows him, kills his wife. We think he kills the guy anyway. They jump ahead 10 years. Jennifer Aniston shows up. There are three stooges who are painters who are there. One of them's a love interest. This is before <laughs> Jennifer Aniston was Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. And before her new nose, she did leprechaun. <laughs> she... <laughs> Uh, and the leprechauns, you know, trying to kill them to get his gold back or allegedly trying to kill them because the movie has several different kills in it. But like the movie doesn't know what it's supposed to be. It's set out to be like originally it was going to be a straight horror film. Then they decided, well, people aren't going to take this seriously because it's so silly. So we'll just add in a bunch of jokes and tell people it's comedy. So they throw in a whole bunch of Looney Tunes gags that they stole from Bugs Bunny and, <laughs> made it, and tacked them onto this horror movie that they made. And that's Leprechaun. Yep. <laughs> Leprechaun, Leprechaun 2, Leprechaun 3, Leprechaun 4 in space, uh, Leprechaun in the hood, Leprechaun back to the hood. And then uh, Leprechaun Origins. That's the those are the ones I have. I have only watched the first one so far. <laughs> so nice. I do have a full length review as well of of Leprechaun that is out now, which you can find on my podcast on podcast Sean on Twitter. Uh, you can find that there. But yeah, uh, like I don't hate it. Uh, I just I don't hate Leprechaun. I I have, an appre I have that kind of camp appreciation for it. Like it's it definitely for me ranks is a movie that is so bad it's good uh and i appreciate just how much work davis just really seems to be enjoying himself and if he didn't how cringe would this movie be like if he were at all embarrassed by what he's doing it would be hard to watch well and he's i read his book last year or listened to his book last year and he talks about this he talks about yeah. okay you know what i've got a sick kid and i gotta make some money i sure i'll do this movie and he loved he just loved the camp aspect of it and I you see that in the movie in the first one. Mm -hmm. Um I, I take the I take it back that I haven't seen any other ones. I think I saw Leprechaun in space or parts of it. Mm -hmm. And he's just enjoying himself so much. <laughs> and you can and that shines through. So what's better, Leprechaun or Megan? Oh, come on. Well, no, I think you have I mean, two different answers. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoyed Leprechaun more, just be, but not because it's a better movie. It's not. It's certainly not even close in terms of filmmaking. Not even close. But the way I watched it with our two two new uh, hosts and and we were laughing at the movie the entire time and making fun of it, uh, it, it definitely was a much better experience, uh, and it adds something to me liking it is a so bad it's good movie i think megan for me is just is not it's not a bad movie at all it's just not a movie that i care much about because i feel like i've seen too much of it megan yeah <laughs> uh next week we've got the devil conspiracy which looks like some of the biggest pieces of shit i, I mean that was one of the worst trailers i've ever seen in my life I haven't even, like, I hadn't heard anything about it until you said, what are we going to watch next week? I haven't even seen the trailer. 
They played it before <laughs> Megan when I saw I'm, Megan. I'm worried it's a pure flick movie. No, it, it's like about the angel Michael and how he sent the Lucifer to hell and kind of rehashing that battle, but it looks like... Yeah, like I said, I worried of this pure flick movie. <laughs> but, I mean, it's... I think it's supposed to be a horror movie. I don't know. It, it looked terrible. Like, who thought this was a good idea? I don't know. <laughs> a white noise is a better idea. Uh, <laughs> the Old Way? Is that the Nicolas Cage Western? Yes, that's the Nicolas Cage Western. The House Party remake. Another great idea. <laughs> Uh, and then our classic, unless you guys change it, because I will not be on the show next week, and I'm not that bummed about it all of a sudden, uh, is House Party. <laughs> you forgot Plane? The big new movie of the week, Plane! Oh, I didn't see Plane. <laughs> I didn't even see that in the notes. Yeah, Gerard Butler in Plane. Because the, they had to make also it... Also known as Airplane <laughs> Has Fallen. <laughs> I had to call it Plane, because if you give him a title that's more than one word, he gets a little bit flustered. <laughs> but all those movies are at, eh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> classic is the original House Party in '93. Actually, those three pretty big movies: Alive, Body of Evidence, and Nowhere to Run. Uh, yeah, next... I have an excuse to watch Body of Evidence again. Yes. yes. Oh, girl. Oh, Jeff, you should come be a guest on the on the bonus show with, with us. We're gonna watch it next Sunday. Over Alive, you're picking that one. No, we're not. I, MJ is 18 years old, and I don't know if, if they're ready for uh, for Alive. <laughs> but they're ready for I saw Alive when I was 20 years old. <laughs> In the theater, I might yeah. add. No, I think we're having too much fun. I think, I think Alive might not be very much fun. <laughs> oh, What's not fun about accidental cannibalism? Yeah. <laughs> nowhere to run's fun. It is. I love nowhere to run. All I don't right. think I ever saw that one. Uh, you should watch it. I'm going to watch it this week. I'll try. Van Damme at his best. Not saying a whole lot, but. <laughs> yeah. All right, I gotta move these things around. Where is Flickchart at? Do you guys Not have up, time for Flickchart? Yeah, yeah. I slept for two and two hours this evening. I can <laughs> do another hour of Flickchart if you want. Well, my flight leaves in eight hours. So. <laughs> Thirteen ghosts or swordfish? Swordfish. Thirteen ghosts was fun. I don't like oh, either of them, but like swordfish. Sword you got enough. to see Halle. Yeah. You're just basing it on Halle Berry's tits. That Indeed, I am. In that case, yes, I am. That, that was what they were doing. <laughs> Judge Dredd with Stallone are almost famous. Almost famous. Sure. <laughs> Greed. The Hollywood Review of 1929. No, never heard of it. Um, no. Have you heard of the Night of the Hunter? Oh yeah, oh yeah, classic film. Have not well, we should. Have you guys done that as a classic at all? No, we should though. No. Oh, that's a oh, really what good happened. One. It's going away. Ah, I didn't even it's going to change it. the poster. I think. Yeah, it's probably. If... No, Night of the Hunter is a really good, solid movie. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you all download so, it for the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Kingpin or the U.S. versus John Lennon? Um, I saw the U.S. versus John Lennon, but I don't remember it. So, yeah, Kingpin. Yeah, Kingpin. Fine. Ooh, Kingpin holding steady at number one. On, I'm just kidding. <laughs> World War Z executive decision. Mm. World War Z. Yeah, yeah. World I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, it had its problems, but I really did enjoy that. I like Executive Decision as an action movie. I I like Executive Decision just because of because uh, it's like a bad B movie, and and I love watching Steven Seagal die. Like right away. <laughs> <laughs> Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, Forty Eight Hours. Bridget Jones. Jacob. I don't. I don't really love. 48 hours. Yeah. I like Eddie. We, we didn't have it. It didn't last do well when we went back to him. Adventureland, Kill Bill, Volume 1. Uh, both are uh, both those movies are good movies. Kill Bill is the one, but I like both of those movies. Agreed. Sherlock Holmes, The Blue Lagoon. Sherlock Holmes. Oh, boy. I'm going to say The Blue Lagoon because <laughs> Christopher Atkins, one of the only blonde guys I've ever been attracted to. Because of that movie. Uh, I did uh, not like Sherlock Holmes. I just could not. I, it was too frenetic and too, you know, like Guy Ritchie for me. All right. I like Robert Dunny Jr., so I, I went for it a little bit. Too many, too much testosterone. I don't care i'll go blue lagoon <laughs> just, just passion won me over thanks bob because of the brook shield <laughs> i've my 13 year old self seen them both one time Sneak. and don't remember really either one of them so. i just remember sneaking blue lagoon on hbo late late at night before we had a vcr going oh come on come on come on <laughs> mighty joe young braveheart I've never seen that Mighty Joe Young. Uh, I'd rather watch White Noise. Oh, I'd rather watch Braveheart on a day of the week. If you want to pick Braveheart, that's fine. I don't care. I mean, I'm not saying it's the best movie in the world, but fuck White Noise. It's fine. <laughs> I, I don't care for Braveheart. I mean, this shouldn't be an Oscar-winning movie, but mm-hmm. I thought it was a, a good, fairly entertaining war movie because who doesn't love a good popcorn about movie both Braveheart and, and Braveheart and Gladiator just feel like the same movie to me that's fair just, I just said that just to piss people off don't worry <laughs> I'm only kidding I mean I, I don't disagree with you <laughs> uh, The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor Brazil 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 my internet is not being cool today. The Fisher King, Broken Flowers. Ooh. Uh, Fisher King. Yeah, I'm going to say The Fisher King. I don't remember if I think I may have seen Broken Flowers, but I, I did like The Fisher King. I liked Broken Flowers. I like the idea of it, and I think it's Bill Murray's doing a really terrific performance in it. But I like Fisher King better, though. I agree with you, though. Sweet November, Octopussy. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Uh, fuck both those movies. How about that? <laughs> okay. 
not literally, Bob. Oh, God, Bob, put your penis away. That's why we're not on YouTube today, guys. <laughs> Man, the internet sucks today. Why? I, I live in town now. There's no excuse for this. A sweet November is <laughs> one of those, uh, one of those, what I called back in the day. I used, and it, it's a terribly reductive term that I don't use anymore, but. Uh, I called it a dead ingenue movie. <laughs> Essentially, the the young beautiful starlet with the uh, with the disease who has to heal the beautiful white guy. Fisher King or Holes? Fisher, Fisher King. King. Rocky three nine months. Rocky three. Yeah, the montage alone. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure Robin Williams' performance in Nine Months is considered a hate crime now. I don't even remember what that is. <laughs> Probably for a good reason. Jurassic Park, <laughs> Eastern Promises. Oh man, that is so tough. <laughs> this, this one is a really hard one, but I will watch Jurassic Park as many times as you put it in front of me. Mm-hmm. Eastern Promises, I, I don't, I couldn't watch it again, probably. Yeah, Jurassic Park for that for that reason. Although I love Eastern Promises, I think it's, I think it's incredible. I'll pick Eastern Promises just, uh, <laughs> just cause Fury, the Muppet movie. Muppet movie. Muppet movie. Yes. Men of Honor, Stephen King's The Shining. This is not. Oh God. That's the TV shining. Can we not yeah, that's it not. It's yeah, not that's, a movie. Get rid of it. <laughs> that, oh my God. It's not a movie, but boy, is it an experience to try to watch that movie. Yeah. TV movie. Stephen King likes it Let better than the Kubrick us. one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Stephen King has made some choices. Like I'm currently listening to the Dark Tower series. Hmm. I could never get past the, the second one, like reading it. So I started listening to it just so I could say I've done it. He at some point becomes a character in his story. And cool. it reminds me of something that him and Mick Garris would have put on TV oh, in the nineties, like that shining. Cool. So, wow. I mean, just uh, even re- reading it when that movie came out recently, and what he decides to do in that book is <laughs> kind of dumb and not good. I was kind of, I don't <laughs> know. Mission Impossible Fallout, Jaws 2. Mission Impossible Fallout. Jaws 2 for Donna Wilkes. I mean, and go ahead. Have you, got, have you guys seen Jaws 2? Have you seen like... I've seen Jaws 2. Have you do you remember Angel, the movie about the teenage prostitute? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. If you look at Donna Wilkes from Jaws 2 and Angel side by side with Florence Pugh, tell me they're not related. <laughs> After I don't we have that kind here, of memory, but yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't jerk off to her and Angel like you did, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, I saw a picture of her the other day, and I, you know, it was like somebody was talking about the movie Angel. I'm like, oh, and I looked at, it, I was like, holy shit, she and she. Florence Pugh should play her in a movie. Although why they'd make a movie about her, I don't know. The making of Jaws 2. Yeah, there uh, you go. I hate the Mission Impossible movies, so I'll go with Jaws 2. 
Sorry, Sean. Usually I disagree with Sean. People still talk about Angel? That's crazy to me. (laughs) I thought we were the only ones who ever talked about Angel. (laughs) We talked about (laughs) it when it it turned 30. He-Man or Reign of Fire? Uh, Yeah, He-Man. No, I'm kidding. It's Reign of Fire. No, Uh, they're both not good. No, neither of them are good. And the only good thing about Masters of the Universe, in my opinion, is the poster by Drew Struzan. So, whatever, Reign of Fire, I don't care. Yeah, Reign of Fire, I guess. It's got dragons and shit. I'll go with you, man. (laughs) The Exorcist of Emily Rose, Looper. Looper. (sighs) Looper is a better movie, even though some of the time travel stuff doesn't hold up after multiple viewings, but I did like the extras of, of Emily Rose. So Looper, yeah, sure. I like Looper a little bit better, but I like them both. Inside Lewin Davis, you don't mess with the Zohan. Inside Lewin Davis, yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite movie that year. Uh, City of Angels, <laughs> all dogs go to heaven. This it's like a double of, feature. This is a way to go out on. <laughs> it's a double feature. City of Angels is a dog that went to heaven. Uh, Which one has the better soundtrack? Send us to hell. <laughs> I do like that Goo Goo song. I like that. I'll stand by that. I, I like the Alanis Morissette song. song too. Yeah. So City of Angels then. All right, podcast over. <laughs> also, happy Friday the 13th, everybody. It's oh, yeah. Friday, it's Friday the 13th. I'm wearing my Ethel t-shirt. You big dildo, go eat your fucking slop. <laughs> <laughs> we have to, I'm going to, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make it. We have to do a Friday the 13th classic someday because I, I have a newfound appreciation for Friday the 13th part five, the fake Jason one. So we're going to make that a classic someday when Bob's on the show. All right. That works for me. All right. Talk to you guys later. Really terrible. (laughs) See ya. See ya. Bye.